recorded live from deep in the heart of Texas. Welcome to the Clover Tech Podcast with another conversation that brings together the firearm industry and community. Are you ready? Hope so, because here we go. What's up, crew? Welcome to another Clover Tech Podcast powered by good friends in Anderson Manufacturing. We'll talk uh, about them uh, in depth just a little more uh, here later. We've got uh db waiting in the green room gonna be a great conversation i, I hope with db today uh db uh, representative of course walk the talk america also 2a uh, mental health coaching uh, i believe he has his own practice all of that good stuff so should be a great conversation uh february 19th 2024 when we're recording uh, for uh live for those that are youtube channel members so if you're out there and you're considering becoming a YouTube channel member, well, that's one of the perks is you can set in on these podcasts, ask questions, interact with the guest, uh, and all that good stuff. However, if you are out there in the wonderful world of replay, audio or video, uh, you've got the option to participate as well. There's very likely a comment section below, and we, of course, uh, encourage you to hit that up. I want to address something I had, had an issue yesterday. Uh, I don't know if... Until I point this out, I don't know if anybody notices, but I did not convert to Hinduism here, uh, if you're looking. Um, I had a fight with a pantry door and a pantry door won yesterday. Um, I was feeling very, very bad yesterday, as you could probably imagine. Uh, slept for hours on end and uh, nauseous and just all of the good things that come with a flat-out concussion. But uh, doing pretty good this morning. Woke up feeling good. So uh, everything, uh, yeah, everything worked out. Let's get the uh, banner rolling here and uh, get DB in the house. How are you, man? Doing great. Doing great. Fine Monday morning here. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit chilly uh, on uh, on our end. I don't get to say that here in Texas very much. Uh, but yeah, here in the studio, I have no heat here in the studio um maybe something that i need to look into i don't know but uh, you see i'm wearing long sleeves and uh it is uh yeah if you see me shiver that's probably why it's a little it's a little bit cold here so <laughs> yeah it's 37 degrees and snow in the mountains here it's uh, thankfully the studio uh, is is warm i, I do my it's, practice it's, from here so right right um Give you a uh, give you a minute here, DB, uh, just to kind of introduce yourself, what you do, who you're associated with, all that good stuff, and then we'll let the uh, conversation kind of flow from there. Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, maybe the beginning, you know. So I'm DB Palmer. Um, you know, I'm a uh, psychotherapist. So you know, a therapist working with all kinds of clients, uh, patients, and I've been doing that for gosh about 20 years. Um, associated with Walk the Talk America, and that's that was my you know big connection over specifically to the firearm community, other than my own personal connection as being a firearm guy. I was unaware for a long time, really, um, that there was a movement from Walk the Talk America uh, to connect firearms owners and mental to the mental health community, and without fear of rights restrictions, and that's a really big deal. Uh, you know, I've worked um, with law enforcement and first responders for a lot of years in military and. Corrections. I, in fact, I was, you know, Department of Corrections, you know, clinician and director of, of mental health for a number of years. Interesting. Um, and you know, so <clears throat> from that part of things, um, you know, I was well aware that that uh, on the first responder and law enforcement, military side, that there's a huge stigma, or and and certainly has been even larger, you know, talking about mental health stuff, and um, understandably so. 
Um, you got to trust that your agency or your departments or the guy, gal left or right of you is going to trust to keep you out in the field doing your work. And that mental health is, you know, part of physical health. It's, you know, it's like busting your knee. Right. Like you got to get that checked out. So, uh, <clears throat> and then more and more as times have gotten interesting, I'm going to put, put uh, not too descriptive a word on it. The firearms community in mass has just continued to be uh, under this onslaught of, you know, politic and restrictions. And so it became very clear to me that, you know, it's important to me. And so why not focus in more? And apparently there's just a, a massive lack of those who want to be a part of it, right, uh, on the mental health side. And so that kind of blew me away in one sense. And on the other, yeah, you know, I've I've met most of the clinicians in, in different areas and associations. And so on the other side, it kind of made sense. Yeah, the sad truth that I think I'm seeing, I should just call that what it is. It it's there. Right. Now you said psychotherapist earlier. For those that are uh, morons out there, when it comes to that type of term, I mean, therapist I get, but why the psycho in front of it? What delineation or what specifically does that mean? Oh, it's, it's a good good point. And so it's it's probably a hang up from the whole education side of things. And so many of us who you know went through the doctoral program, and we tend to hang on to the term psychotherapist. And then those who practice at a master's level may may use the therapist term. Absolutely not a descriptive term. Anybody could say psychotherapist who is a licensed clinician. Uh, and so I think for a lot of us who went through our doc programs and studied as a you know kind of psychologist track, but we do primarily therapy. Uh, then psychotherapist is kind of the historical term that we've used from those, okay. who, you know, the books that we've been reading from the from the masters of old. Right. Okay. Okay. So it's just terminology that's kind of evolved or changed over the years, yeah. basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you talk about, um, and I want to get a little bit into your history, I think, with firearms and stuff, because I always find those conversations interesting. But to get back and kind of get to WTTA and then what you were talking about with mental health inside the 2A, inside the firearm community. So I can remember when uh, our good friend Mike, you know, Mike Sedini, um, uh, first was the idea had come up years ago about WTTA, and um, I was on board pretty early. I mean, I don't know that the organization was even in full swing when I'd heard about it and, and his thoughts on that. And I started pitching it around to a lot of the, the folks in my networking, in my, my circles, right, uh, in the industry and everything else. And there was a ton of hesitation with it. Uh, it's been really, really amazing to see the progression so far that there are a vastly, you know, much more people talking about that sort of things, the mental health and everything. Now, it is unbelievable. It's a day and night compared to, you know, when he first tried to start the organization and, and get people discussing that in the movement. Uh, it's been amazing to see. But to your point, there still are a lot of people that are hesitant. And I think with, you know, a lot of the shenanigans that, you know, governments want to pull, um, rightfully so, to be hesitant in a way. Absolutely. And, you know, so as Walk the Talk became more of an entity, um, you know, it was gaining steam, they, you know, developed a platform um, that they were truly an entity that was going to protect, you know, rights um, around the Second Amendment. And that's the sticky issue. I think there's a lot of groups that talk about, you know, mental health and gun owners or military or law enforcement. And, and connecting that with mental health, but they tend to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to an organization, to all have this sticky little part where they ultimately 
you know, maybe maybe they want to do good work, and a lot of them are doing some good work, but they also tend to have that pesky part of, you know, 2A is kind of the thing that that's, you know, we may have to yank, mm-hmm. um, you know, to protect, you know, you or society. And that's just not part of the bag. I mean, if I go see somebody, you know, if I've broken my leg, nobody's talking about taking away my firearms or my right to get them. Right. Um, and so, of course, I'm probably going to be reticent or unlikely to have that conversation real honestly. And so I, I'll only go so deep in my conversation because I don't want to, you know, uh, tick off the wrong, you know, uh, bells or something like that or say <laughs> right. the wrong thing. It's right. Um, and that just doesn't build a confidence, obviously. Right. So I, yeah. if, I, if I'm going to see a therapist and I want to talk about, you know, stuff of life, I hopefully I'm just going to put my soul out there and say, all right, hey, you know, doc, what? This, here's what I got, man. Um, right. Walk me through this. How do I? And then if you start saying, well, gosh, if I, if I don't, if I say this, then maybe, maybe this could happen to me and it'll hang me up my career. Um, mm-hmm. th- you know, that's, that's not where we want to be. And that's not where the field has been. I mean, historically, you know, anything, you know, that is said to me is under the cone of secrecy, right? I mean, that's the idea. That's, that's what right. I signed on for, right. not to have right. people's secrets, but to guard those secrets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you can't do your job as a therapist unless that person is honest. Right. right. I mean, it does you no good. You can't deal with lies. Right. I mean, we were kind of in this game of like, well, I know that I can see there's something else here. Right. And, and then that becomes that's just not what I, I'm not trying to be a detective. I mean, that's right. that's not my role. And so, you know, I, I can only push. So and of course, I, I meet with people, you know, who don't want to share everything. And it's not like I expect everybody to just air their dirty laundry the first time we have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there's a relationship that forms there and that's, that's good. Right. But that relationship ought to be one where eventually if you, you trust this person, you can trust them to, to not air your stuff. Right. Yeah. About how long typically do you find that it takes? I mean, not just in a two way sense, but you know, mm-hmm. as a, as a therapist in general, one visit, two visit, five, is there kind of a, uh, a situation where it seems like people get that certain comfort level. Yeah, you know, of course it's different for each person, right? But I, you know, I find with you know military, law enforcement, first responders, there there tends sure. to be a, a lot more hesitation that you know maybe they were told you need to go see somebody or mm-hmm. need to go see you know Dr. Palmer, and that's a whole different dynamic than you know somebody finds me, uh, they read my bio or that kind of thing, and they think, oh yeah, I, I think I, I I'll probably connect with this guy, right? One is somebody told you to. And so yeah, right. you just you You're call like, all right, whatever, man, yeah. I'm supposed to talk to you. So yeah. that, that of course takes more time. And you know, that in that community and, and, and probably most, but far more in that, in those communities, I find people want to get a sense of who you are and mm-hmm. they're going to test you out. Like, are you, are you legit? Have you seen the stuff that I've seen? And of course, nobody has seen all the stuff that anybody else has ever seen. We, we all have different lives, but right. Am I willing to have that conversation? Am, am I willing to hear the dark stuff? Am I, if he, you know, he or she drops some bombs, you know, in the meeting, am I going to be like, oh, look, you know, let's keep this professional, you know? So there's usually a lot of testing in the intro process, and once you get through that, you know, just like if you're working on the line, uh, you you kind of rib each other. You get a sense of how far can I push? Is this guy able to, you know, take a joke? Can he, you know, is he going to be offended real soon? Right. So that's exactly the process. Ultimately, it's two guys. If it's me and a and another person, or you know, guy or gal, it's it's a me and a me and a gal, me and a guy, and we're having a, a conversation about life. And right. 
they they want to know just as I would want to know. Um, you know, can I can I just can I can I be real? Can this person take it? Right. Now, do you find yourself in those in those sessions? And I guess this is each therapist is kind of their own thing, and it depends on how they operate. Do you find yourself listening more than talking, or talking more than listening, or is there a is there a balance there? A how do you delineate between the the good therapist and the bad ones? I guess. Yeah, you know, if it, it's you know each person, of course, some people come in and like they're they're a freight train, like they've got stuff and they're going to get it off their it's chest. Just pop it all on you, like, yeah, like yeah. And, which is great, you know, and so at some point, you know, I, my role isn't to just be the listener, right? So I, I'm not just, um, you know, kind of a, I'm not just a listener, right? So it's my job over time to say, all right, like I've heard, we, we've been talking about this kind of stuff and I got that you, like that seems to be where everything is. And so it's my job to kind of start in and get a sense of, okay, where, where are we going though with this? And how can I be effective as a, you know, how can I challenge you uh, you know, forward in this and, right. and for others, you know, they come in like, gosh, I, I don't know, like I, and they may mention some huge stuff, but like, yep, I do this. Um, it's messing me up. You know, what do I do? And so it is kind of a question of, Hey, what do I do doc? How do I fix this? Right. And that's a mixed bag, right? Um, you know, I may have, I may have a pretty quick answer, like stop doing that. <laughs> right. That's probably not the best yeah. answer. Cause if, if it was that simple, they would have stopped doing it. Um, you know, so then my job becomes a bit more of, you know, building some more relationship and we, we talk a bit more, we have, we make it a bit more natural. And the idea is, you know, once we establish some rapport and we establish a conversation, yeah, then it the, the process becomes a lot more smooth. And so I try to, to play that balance. If somebody's a freight train and they want to just unload for a while, I'll, I'll let that go because mm-hmm. like, let's go. And then I'll, I'll hear things that I probably would never have asked about. Um, right. So that's really helpful um, kind of like taking mental notes along the way. All right. Well, I'm going to follow back up on that one. Um, and, you know, in truth, sometimes we do just need to talk it out. Um, you finally have somebody who's not going to like, I'm not going to be, um, you know, at your, at your job site tomorrow. I'm not going to be at home with you. I'm not going to be the person at church. who's like, Oh man, did you hear about him? Right. So I, I am that neutral third party. Um, that's the job. And so sometimes it is about like, whew, I just said it all, man. That that felt really good. Um, right. Um, so it's it's a bit of both and and three other things. Let's uh let's switch up a little bit. You talk about your uh, firearm background. So for you, you know, growing up, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, everything basically from birth till now. What has uh, the firearms journey for you? What's that kind of looked like? Yeah. Well, let's see, I was a military kid starting off. So my dad was, um, you know, you yeah. army infantry guy back in the day, um, uh, enlisted guy. And, um, so that was kind of an initial start. I was, you know, born just off of, off of the base, uh, there out of Tacoma. Um, <clears throat> then, you know, he went into civilian life after he you know, got on the GI bill, got through college, um, became a banker and hated it. <laughs> so, oh, oh um, wow. And, uh, and then, so he was like, you know, I, he was a hang glider pilot at the time, uh, went back in the seventies when that was, you know, um, way more, um, out there than uh, still kind of out there. Um, joined the air force as a pilot, got a pilot ticket and then we were off again. Uh, so right. I spent all my upbringing, you know, every three years moving from base to base. Um, and so, you know, the military culture has been a part of my life since really from day one, um, which doesn't necessarily mean I'm a firearm guy, you know, as I've found, um, through meeting other folks, but it right. was for me. Um, 
so I was strong connection early on and, you know, back then, the, you know, uh, Boy Scouts, you know, we would train and uh, that was part of, you know, you know, Boy Scout training and going through sure. that. Yeah. Uh, and then let's see, I joined um, uh, military as I was about 19 or something like that. So I, I enlisted into the National Guard uh, as a 11 Bravo, 11 Charlie, so infantry and mortarmen. Um, and so that began, began definitely a more formal training with, with firearms. Um, and so continued with that for a while. And um, gosh, I was out um, functionally in 2003 uh, after my term was up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then stayed kind of close to it. I was, became a wilderness guide and finished my, you know, undergrad. Oh, nice. um, yeah. And so I worked a lot of years in the woods and mostly carrying bear spray because I was not a hunting guide, maybe a, a delineation I get asked a lot. Although you know, I worked all across bear crunchy, country, had lots of run-ins with bears and um, thankfully most of them positive and still got all my fingers and toes. And right. um, <laughs> so did they. <laughs> um, um so yeah, a lot of years uh, in you know great uh, Western hunting country all across the north up to Alaska and spent the better part of two decades in Alaska. And that's when it really reconnected for me <clears throat> in the firearm side of things was getting into hunting in Alaska. Um, so that was just being a part of life, whether from Alaska natives, just having your standard 22 right there in the truck or the shotgun or having the hunting rifle. That was just life up there. And so right. looking at, at restrictions on firearms, uh, it just became like really, really quizzical um, up in Alaska, where this is absolutely a part of just putting meat on the table because the grocery store is 400 miles away. I mean, like we're not talking about this being a luxury. We're talking about this being a factor for getting food for the family. Right. And, you know, yeah, you got a car, but realistically, it's 400 miles to, you know, from some place or further from others. Uh, food prices are astronomical because for a lot of places it's flown in. And so right. that that really changed my mindset around, you know, what a firearm is as a subsistence tool, as a, mm-hmm. a tool of life. And then, you know, we fast forward to 2020. Um, I had, you know, my hunting rifles uh, from my Alaskan experience moved down to, to Oregon because uh, that's where family is from. And, you know, our kids are all getting older. And so we wanted to reconnect with family. And, mm-hmm. and then 2020 happened and it became clear that things were weird. Um, regulations were being quickly put into place. And, and I went from a guy who was, you know, a hunter um, to a guy who was thinking, this is probably about something else now. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so then my journey towards, you know, self-defense and concealed carry and, and looking after family and the com- the compound and <laughs> became more of a, right. more of a pressing concern. Um, so then things really heated up. Yeah. For me. Yeah. You know, uh, quick tangent, though, going back to your dad. Uh, yeah, I can see that going from a hangout glider pilot to a banker. Like, uh, <laughs> that's a that's a pretty big jump. <laughs> so that totally makes sense. Uh, I don't I don't know that uh, there's the what is it? The level of excitement in banking? <laughs> Maybe I could be wrong. I've never been a banker, but uh, but I get it. Um, so growing up, I mean, or what you said is that you didn't see more the two A side of firearms. Is that kind of what you're getting at until fairly recently? Absolutely. You know, I, I think I had a sense of, I was looking back through, you know, when Facebook will feed up like, Oh, 10 years ago, here's your memory. So 10 years ago, I was, I was very much looking, I'll say, I'm saying 10 and 15, as I was looking through some of my memories that I was clear, clearly focused on there's a restriction of speech occurring. Um, 
in political circles, and that seemed to be the, the thrust of things 10, 15 years ago. Right. And it may have, might have existed on the 2A side, but I wasn't as keyed into that at that time. But it was clear that you know you weren't supposed to say these things, and you know political PC culture was all back in the 90s, and that's when I you know finished high school and started college, and so okay. very familiar with that as, as kind of an odd thing. Um, but it was clear 10, 15 years ago that the politic of the 90s was was gone. Like all of a sudden, you know, the left was more like the this and the, the right was more like the that. And there was no logical train um, as to why these two groups were going in the directions that they were going. And it, it, it was clear to me then that something is shifting in, in the political realm that is overarching our civilian lives that was poignant, that seemed pointed and odd, um, kind of were we going to go towards 1984 or are we going for, you know, Brave New World? And I wasn't sure at that time which direction the world was seeming to be pushing us toward. Mm -hmm. And it was in 2020, uh, for sure. That was a catalyzing moment um, in those first few months, especially being uh, crossing through Canada as we moved. We moved in September of 2020 uh, through Canada or Canada, as I like to call it, just in jest, but um, uh, through Canada. And that was just that was a really unpleasant experience. I have spent so much time in Canada. I have tremendous amounts of great Canadian friends uh, and as a backcountry guy, like Canada and Alaska are like, you know, Graceland in terms of getting out into, oh, yeah. into the woods. But when 2020 came around, uh, the world changed, right? And the, and then coming to Oregon was kind of an extension to a lesser degree of, of, of Canadian regs. That made it clear that, okay, this is, this is a full-on onslaught against a certain group of people who are advocating for, hey, let's just leave each other alone, kind of run our lives, handle our business. And somehow that was, that was oppression. And that was, you know, extremism. And right. Like, okay. I, I think I get the game here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're an extremist if you just want people to leave you alone. Right. It's like, <laughs> how's, how does that work exactly? Yeah, well, I think everybody's going to be okay. If I if I just do that extreme, everybody's going to be fine because right. I'm just going to be leaving everybody alone. <laughs> well, I'm just saying you, you get labeled that, that you're an extremist. Exactly. It's like if you want literally people to leave you alone and like you to leave everybody else alone, how is that, how is that extreme exactly? Because at that point, you have no influence on anybody and nobody's got influence on you. Um, I don't know. It's crazy. Um Ghost out there, uh, quick, quick minute here. He says, is that, John, is that John Lovell? He says, DB has great hair. So inside joke for uh, for those that don't know, uh, we had uh, DB on the uh, podcast during the SHOT Show. And uh, you've actually started Instagram, did you not? Uh, <laughs> I did. Want, I don't think. You want to throw that think, out there? I don't know that, that John is particularly pleased about it. Maybe he hasn't noticed it. I, I couldn't tell. He So anyway, my Instagram, my other Instagram handle is. Other Instagram, um, yeah. At not, not John Lovell. Um, uh, so at not John level, um, I can't tell if he noticed it and, and didn't think it was very funny or, or maybe I'm just reading into it. He probably hasn't noticed he's, you know, the guy's doing amazing stuff. Um, yeah. and, yeah. and so you know, I, I would hope that he's not offended by it. It's, you know, but you know, it, it's, um, I've heard it too many times and I thought, well, heck, I'll just, I'll just yeah. give that a shot. Well, I mean, sometimes you just got to <laughs> lean into it. You know, and at the end of the day, they say, I don't know if it's true, but they say imitation is the, the greatest form of flattery. They do say that. That's uh, and, it's, yeah. and it's not like you're not presenting well. It's not like you're out there doing goofy things and things that would 
ultimately shine a bad light on him. You're just yeah. poking fun of the of the similarities in the in the looks, right? And the experiences you you've uh, expressed that you've had with people walking up to you, thinking that you were him. So, you know, yeah, I was at the Daniel Defense booth at Shot Show, and the guys <laughs> running the Daniel Defense booth were like, "Hey, welcome back. We thought we thought you oh we wow, just kinda, we just said goodbye." And, <laughs> So it was that, and I had I, just a sincere, you know, big fella come up to me at the USCCA booth as well, and he's like, "Hey man, I love your work. Really, I've been watching your stuff for years. You know, can I can I get a picture with you?" And and it, I was thinking, I haven't been doing what I'm doing for very long, and I, <laughs> like I appreciate the compliment, but I, he, and then it dawned on me, he he's not talking to me. <laughs> um, he took, right. I I felt bad, and I was like, "I'm sorry, I, I'm not John Lovell," and he, and uh, and the look of like you bastard like <laughs> like how dare you i just poured out my soul to you right. I, I did i felt legitimately bad for the guy yeah. that had to like tell him i wasn't john lovell yeah maybe maybe confirm next time before you yeah. ask a question <laughs> that only john lovell would know you know maybe <laughs> or something uh yeah you never know but uh, yeah, funny story. Uh, hey, tight DB. Uh, we're gonna come back. We're gonna keep talking, but real quick, I need to uh, talk about Anderson Manufacturing, and uh, of course, thank them uh, for powering the podcast this season. Uh, great friends over there at Anderson Manufacturing, been making great stuff for a variety of years. Uh, still hanging tight. Still waiting on the bolt actions from them. Uh, we hear that uh, they're gonna drop in uh, first in uh, 308 and 65 Creedmoor, probably the two. Uh, a couple of the most popular cartridges, of course, for bolt actions there. Uh, and then eventually the big boy, the one that I'm most interested in, the uh, 300 Wind Mag, of course. Uh, you've got several versions of their Kiger handguns, something fairly new uh, for Anderson. And in you know, my personal opinion, they've knocked it out of the park with the Kiger. Uh, and then their staple, their bread and butter, the thing that uh, Anderson probably is most known for. Is the scary black rifles, and they got the new Frontline series, uh, along with the uh, old school Dissipator and all of the other cool stuff uh, over there at Anderson Manufacturing. So now that that is uh, is sort of out of the way, so as far as um, you getting aligned, and I do want to hit on. Well, let's do this first. Let's hit on. Um, I'll let you kind of run with it as far as the timeline and progression, however, that you see fit. But I'm curious about basically two things. I'm number one, I'm curious about the 2A mental health coaching. And then I'm also curious how you got aligned with WTTA, kind of how that all happened. You meeting Mike or Jake, or how did that all pan out? Sure, let's see. Um, 2A mental health is a more recent endeavor. And so I'll, I'll get to that maybe second then. And in terms of the timeline, I, um, I came across Walk the Talk America probably 2021, somewhere there, after a good year of 2020 regs and uh, stuff here in Organistan, um, Oregon. Um, and the, you know, reached out and just said, hey, I, this looks amazing. I'd love to, you know, connect sometime. I, you know, I, I assumed that they're, that those guys, you know, would, you know, it'd be in some round folder somewhere and I'd, I'd never hear back from them cause they, you know, they're clearly doing some good work and I'm just some other guy saying, Hey, I like what you're doing, you know, kind of fanboy mm-hmm. uh, right. for what they're doing, which was pretty true. I was blown away. Um, still am by the amount of energy that Mike uh, and Jake have brought to this for years. And then of course the board has just been uh, just lions for what they're doing. So I didn't expect much. Um, and I was just going to continue to watch from the sidelines and kind of cheer them on. Um, Shame on you. Yeah. 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 So I, 
So I reached out, you know, and uh, and then Jake got back and he CC'd Mike, and then the conversation moved pretty quickly. And they said, "Hey, you know, let's let's invite you to a conversation." And so, you know, they they're just you know, like all of us, but in a real sense, they own it. They're just regular dudes mm-hmm. doing the work that they do um, and looking for others who want to lock shoulders and and push forward. And so, right, that was like, "Yep, that's you. You nailed it. That's me." Um, and so the progression, so then, you know, join the advisory board um, a little bit later with them. Um, and so I kind of assist on some of those levels, join the podcast as we switch uh, formats from uh, Mike and Jake as the primary or maybe only um, model that they did at the time. Then we decided, hey, let's try, you know, the four of us clinicians plus Mike uh, and Kevin um, are kind of all all tech guru guy. Oh, it's, a, um, it's an awesome format now. I love yeah, it. it's it's a lot of fun because you know, we've got all these different perspectives. Uh, yeah, people get to hear. Um, I mean, each of those clinicians practice in very very different areas, and so we we have a very, our, you know, our golden thread through all of us is that we're all gun guys, and we all value that, you know, to the, you know, <laughs> and more importantly, I think freedom and liberty, guys. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I think so. That is probably a, even more so, right? Because the firearm aspect is is an extension of that, right? And so it's that it's just part of it, right? I like my left hand and I also like my right hand. And so I don't want either of them going away. And so I think that's probably a, a well said part. So we started that podcast and we continue to look and reach out to the mental health community and we still do. We're trying to build this connection from the firearms community to the mental health community. And as you mentioned earlier, the firearms, law enforcement, military, those communities have for, in my experience, for a good amount of time, a decade or more, or more, um, recognize that, you know, this mental health stuff is important and we need to get, we need to talk about it. Um, now, how it's been done and from one department to another, of course, there's going to be huge variation. And uh, I expect that mistrust will continue. And it, I mean, based on mental health track record, I would say that it should continue. Right. Um, but what we found on the flip side was that the mental health community in mass, in the association and, um, you know, the big kid level, board levels, they they are not comfortable with the firearm community. And gosh, since 2020, the alternative view uh, community. Um, we have a very um, different set of, of ethics that have been pushed on our plates we didn't vote for them. We just, now here's the new ethic of, of the, you know, this association, here's the new ethic within this state and you must do this. And that thing for a lot of us was either, um, Oh heck no. Um, you know, level of response or, you know, this is, these are our jobs, right? So they, they threaten our careers, our license and ability to practice unless we conform to those standards. And Mm. frankly, a lot of us, you know, it's good to put food on the table and we like what we do. And so for a lot of us, we just kind of dismiss that part. We just try not to get, you know, uh, um, on the radar. Right. Um, so the two, a, uh, community is the, and freedom community is that, that who's being in a disservice by this. Um, so Mike, uh, and I were talking, um, gosh, it's probably 2023. Yeah. Somewhere mid 2023. Uh, and he said, look, We've been trying this for years. We've been trying to make this connection with the mental health community. They don't want, uh, they're not comfortable uh, with the level of freedom of speech um, that 
that we all think is important. They're definitely not comfortable with backing off a of red flag or ERPOs or we're really just going to mental health you out of your firearms seems to be the model. Um, so we've tried. <laughs> How about um, you just run with something? Tell us, tell us what you would do um, to move this forward. How do we go? You know, so walk the talk is going to be advocacy. It's going to be that, that side of the fence to stay mm-hmm. clear of, uh, some of the concerns that it could could have to deal with. They're really good at advocacy, getting the word out, connecting people. Right. Um, how how do we add in a or how do we get service? How do we how do we do this? So it basically said, DB, come up with a plan, pitch it to me, um, and and then go with it. So basically, I said, yeah, we want to keep these two entities separate. If if walk the talk gets in legal trouble, we don't want that. Uh, being a concern for the service providers, right. and the more likely issue is going to be that the service providers are the one that the ones that get in potential legal trouble, and we right. don't want that taken down. Walk the talk, and so yeah. we delineate these two as technically separate entities, and they are. They they are absolutely separate entities. No, you know, there's a board. Walk the talk is a, a nonprofit entity, and Two A Mental Health is a for-profit entity. Zero connection, you know, um, other than we like each other. Um, right. You know, we trust each other and we refer back and forth to each other, just as, you know, I do to another clinician that when somebody says, hey, I'd love to see you. Here's what I'm dealing with. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not really all that good at that. But this guy is great at that. So go see him. Right. Um, and so that's the connection. Um, <clears throat> so 2A Mental Health started it really is that is the service uh, provider in that sense. Uh, in the 2A space. And I'm certainly not the only one. I mean, Zephyr Wellness, which is Jake's endeavor. Uh, he's been running that group practice for years and years. Uh, they'll see people, of course. Um, Jake and I are the only two private pla- practice clinicians right now within the team of four <clears throat> that have the the license scope to see um, people in this sense. Both the other two guys are kind of exiting their you know licensure process and getting uh, getting their own independent practices, hopefully up and running. I want to see that soon. So mm-hmm. Zephyr Wellness, 2A Mental Health. Um, and for me, the 2A Mental Health, <clears throat> I'd... I made a push early on that the this may change. The state licensure thing is a major barrier barrier to practice. Right, um, has been for a long time, and every state kind of determines that they're very special and that they have this unique sure. little. And there are some areas where I think that's true. I mean, there. I mean, look at our current situation um, <clears throat> politically. In those cases, I would say, okay, yeah, I want states to protect their rights. I want them to to uh, to clearly define the borders and figuratively and literally. Um, right. That's another topic, but sure. um, so that has a strong protection in, in some senses where it does get a bit sticky is for example, I, I can't see even sitting on my couch here in, in my state, I can't see somebody who, even if they are from and registered and they vote here and they have a house here, but they're traveling to another state, say California, if they happen to go on vacation and they call me up and say, hey, doc, I, you know, I'm really struggling right now. Um, legally speaking, California can go after me for practicing without a license in California. Um, and that's a big deal. Um, right. Yeah. So I'm, I move the model. Um, so many of my conversations, particularly on the 2A side, are not about a, a diagnosis. They're not about, hey, let's talk about um, um, it to that level. It's about looking at life. Um, so let's talk about skills. Let's talk about beneficial practices. Let's talk about family, relationships, uh, fitness. Let's talk about those things and, you know, talk about things absolutely that are depressing, that are concerning, that are anxiety causing. 
-hmm. And so the 2A mental health coaching is a model that I can practice 50 states and internationally around, let's look at life, um, life domains. And it's not a it's not a skipping of or a, a subterfuge in that. That is what I talk about with most of my clients anyway. Um, so for insurance purposes, somebody comes through, you know, with Blue Cross or Anthem or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've got to render a diagnosis. And just like if you go to the doc, they're not going to treat you without rendering some kind of diagnosis because that's what they're right. treating. Like, okay, left, you know, tib fib fracture. Okay, great. They kick in, you know, funding for that thing, and the person gets seen. They pay their copay, and that's the way it works on the insurance side. But I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not going that route. And so they are no longer the gatekeeper for 2A mental health coaching. They have no authority over that. A person has every right to say, hey, I want to see somebody, and I, you know, a coach, a consultant. I want to, you know, uh, have a conversation about how to make life better. And that's where 2A mental health comes in in that sense. That I can see if you're from Wyoming, California, and we can let fly with that conversation. Now, <clears throat> if a person, we discover they've got a pretty significant hangup um, in a particular area, then I may well make referral to somebody locally or see if I can right. um, you know, license in their state to extend care. Right. Yeah. So if there are therapists you know, that want to come on board, what is the process for that? Yeah, I'd say probably two things. I mean, one, Walk the Talk America would be a great first resource to connect with. They have uh, cultural competence uh, trainings. They're free. I mean, good grief. You get CEUs. I mean, we, we get, we're required to take, you know, I'll, I'll say as a blanket truth, about 40 CEUs every two years, um, you know, continuing education, you know, units, just to make sure that we're following the trends and <laughs> in truth, what it seems like, just to make sure we're staying indoctrinated under the current uh, regime. But I digress on that one, but, but these courses offer CEUs. And so I've done all of the stuff available through walk the talk. Um, you know, basically let's talk about culture, right? Well, gun culture is a culture. Let's talk about, let's talk about that and get right. savvy about that. So that'd be the first step connect with walk the talk America. Um, you, know, you can find them on all the social medias. Um, and then if you want to connect uh, with me specifically, I would love to see more providers come um, under the wing of two a mental health coaching. And so, yeah, 2A Mental Health Coaching uh, available on most of the social medias, you know, Twitter, um, <clears throat> uh, Facebook, uh, gosh, uh, Gmail me at 2A Mental Health Coaching at, at gmail.com. And um, I, I do need to grow that um, out. I, I cannot be the only provider in that um, over time. And so right now, I, you know, working a model where I can see a lot of folks um, on the on my favorite venue, which is, you know, the community tribe and group models. I love working with groups of people. That's how I got into the field was working, you know, uh, groups. And so I, I dig that, you know, but, but there's also one-on-one -on -one conversations that are really, really important. And so I, I can do X amount of those, but I can't do, you know, X squared of those. I can't do X times 10. So I would love to see clinicians who who didn't know that there was this walk the talk America, that there was this two way community out there of therapists and clinicians and coaches I would love to see more people come into the space. We absolutely need, need more of you. So yeah, uh, right. this is, yeah, while this is my shop of two way mental health coaching, um, there's only so much work that I can take on. So I, I would be happy to bring you into the team to grow that or to refer out to you. Right. Well, and, you know, we kind of hit on it, I think, at the top of the, and this is what's nice about it, whatever it is, you know, expanding it, 
it's kind of like you talked, we talked about it at the top of the show here a little bit is there's that trust level and finding a therapist, finding a person to talk with that, you know, that is a fit for you, you know, yep. Uh, maybe they you share some background or they specialize in a certain thing or whatever it might be. So broadening that umbrella, um, yeah, it's not a competition thing. I mean, that just offers more and better options for those seeking help. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, you know, a rising tide floats all boats. The better the service provider is to the left or to the right of me, first of all, the more it challenges me to be better and the more it challenges me to grow. And in truth, this does not it does not have to be a competition. I, I love that idea of like, man, this guy's doing great work. And it's it's so challenging. And what I where I take that is, well, how am I doing? Am I am I am I stacking up? And and then when you get that when you get beyond the competitive, am I am I up in my game, then you can get to a sense of we've competed with each other and you know what? I really love what you're doing. And you're better at this, and I would much rather have people go to, to that guy's practice for that thing um, because I want them to know that I didn't try to own everything. Like it's all right. mine. It, it's yeah. not all mine. That, that none of us could see all the people um, of, you know, who could need to be seen. Um, right. So it, it does us no good to get turf worry in that. Yeah. I, it, there's, it does baffle me, but we do get a bit, I don't mean everybody, people, we tend to get a bit, you know, um, fiefdom-ish and we want to control our little turf and it's i think it's a bit of tribalism with humanity that that spills over into that quite honestly um uh, it is uh you know but ultimately if the goal is to help people right and you know you want that person to get the help they need then you know you got to let go of the ego and the selfishness and if there's somebody that does it better than you in that area then that's where that person needs to go it it sort of works the same way with uh, the 2A and like the industry side and, you know, the, the influencers, the gun tubers, the whatever it might be, where, you know, we'll get somebody that reaches out and they'll say, you know, hey, I'm looking at, you know, getting a firearm for home defense. I'm looking for getting a firearm for concealed carry. You know, what do you what do you recommend? And, you know, everybody has their own their own uh, thoughts and opinions and they're going to say, hey, go do this. Right. You need to get the SIG P365. Now you need the Springfield Hellcat. Now you need the Glock 43 or the 48X or the Avidity PD-10, which we will talk about in a minute. Whatever, yeah. right? And people get staunch on, on that, and there's this competition there. And it's like if we want people to take their uh, self-defense into their own hands, be their own first responder, they've got to find a fit for them, yep. not what somebody recommends. You're walk in life or whatever your situations around your your personal protection are different than everybody else so what works for you may not work for them so they've got to find what works and i, it, I think that's life quite honestly absolutely i mean we want people to the left and right of us to be qualified uh, you know quality to be qualified to be um to be on their game and if if they come in from oh gosh you think like dirty civilian if you're familiar with them that's a very different group than rob pincus or john lovell or right. you know you know mike glover i mean very different groups but man if they're bringing people into the community they're bringing people in who want to be protectors defenders and they want to get skilled great mm -hmm. i mean fantastic they're coming through clover tack or ghost tactical i mean that's the purpose come into the community you know, we have differences. We're going to have differences, but welcome sure. to the family. Right. <laughs> and, right. you know, there's going to be some odd ones. In the, there's always some odd ones in the family. And there's yeah. some are like really too intense about it, but 
if you can have a core of at the end of the day, when stuff gets weird, we can close in on each other and say, all right, I got, right. if, if I'm stuck in the mud, right. I don't care if somebody with a Dodge pickup shows up to pull me out. If I'm a Ford guy, like, I just want to get out of the mud. Like, I just want to get it. Or, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm or, not gonna or, even, or even <laughs> on it, even in another sense. Yeah, I get that. But here's the other sense. Even if you want to go out and have fun and climb in the hills in your trucks or, or, you know, run through the mud holes in your trucks. Do you really care if, one guy has a Ford and the other has a Chevy and the other has a Toyota and the other has a Nissan. I mean, if you're all out there in the mud having fun, does it really matter? At that Precisely. Point? Precisely. I mean, it's the kind of thing. If, if stuff hits the fan, I'm not going to say, well, the guy with a Hellcat, you know, can't join me. And the guy with the, <clears throat> it's only right. the Avidity, you know, PD right. guys, you know, yeah. or the SIG guys. Like, no, no, I, I just want you to shoot well and not yeah. shoot me. Get in the fight. Yeah. Get <laughs> in the fight for sure. Bring it. Yeah. You, um, you talked about the, uh, you, you mentioned the gun culture there. So, you know, obviously you were at SHOT this year. Um, was this your first year at SHOT or have you been before? Yeah, first year. I mean, wow. wow. Okay. Okay. So that was definitely a culture shock. Well, I wanted to bring that up. Had to have been a culture shock for you, right? Absolutely. I mean, my wife came with me and so, you know, she's on her gun journey as well. And you know, I was really encouraged uh, seeing her in the in the process, right? Seeing the experience through somebody else's sure. eyes, and I mean, her takeaway was, she, I think her quote was, "It is so encouraging seeing so many people that value the Second Amendment and free speech." And I, I was thinking, "Yeah, babe, like right on, like that's exactly um, what we're experiencing." And then, of course, just you know, it was like fifty-five plus thousand people there, all around the idea of. The Second Amendment is important. Freedom of speech is important, and having good gear, good training, and wow! I mean, talk about. Um, I went to the manufacturers um, or suppliers' day the, the day uh, before the the show started, mm-hmm. and just that alone, just seeing you know all the laser tech, all the CNC, it's amazing yeah, how the toys, much the toys behind the toys, right? Basically, it's, it's amazing how yeah. much innovation is happening yeah. in the space, yeah. and how many firearm you know makers there are and, and how much they are leveling up off of each other. I mean, that's a very good thing. Competition is where it's at. Um, and, right. and that was on display in full effect. It shot was everybody is in this arms race and that is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think unless you get into, you get out of your shell, and this is for those that, you know, maybe they're looking into, you know, taking uh, their self-defense, their personal protection, the protection of their family, uh, you know, seriously, uh, you know, whatever they're thinking about, uh, you know, going down the road of, of Second Amendment, of firearms, of that sort of thing. Um, attending some of these events, uh, and of course, SHOT Show, not for the public, but we do have the NRA show coming up, which is for the public and very similar. Um, there are, you know, all types of other uh, meet and greets, meetings, you know, things you can go and, and see and do. And I think that for those that get into a situation like shot show or a competition, I think another thing you realize, and and I say this uh, with a caveat that there are bad actors, bad players, buttholes in every group. We talked about the four by four community, right? They have their uh, own troubles. I'm sure with people, Oh, that guy's a, you know, is a douchebag or whatever, right? Everybody, every community is going to have that, but by large, um, the firearm community, it's, it's amazing people, by and large, absolutely amazing people. And I tell 
I tell this story, and it's a great opportunity to tell this story now. I've told this story before. We were outside of Austin, Texas. This has been years ago, uh, back in my youth shooting sports, you know, uh, coaching and instructor days. And we were outside of Austin, Texas at uh, an event called March Madness, which is one of, if not the biggest youth shoot uh, that happens annually in Texas. There's probably six to 700 competitors. So by the time you add big brother, little sister, little, you know, mom dad auntie whatever to the mix you can imagine how many people are on this range and it's a huge range and so we're at one end of the range and obviously my you know my youngest daughter is shooting there and i'm filming it of course for multiple reasons and uh got my phone out had just got uh i don't even remember what it was but i want to say like maybe the iphone 5 or something like that it was it was new it was one of the ones that just came out and um was filming her and in the process of okay she's done so we got to make it safe we got to get everything in the case because we got to book it down to the total opposite end of the range for the next competition right we got like 15 minutes and i lay my phone down and walk off and like i said I just got this brand new iphone like the week before so i get down there and we get all set up and we get ready to go and obviously i'm gonna film her and i'm like where's where, what where's oh my god and it hits me and i'm like there's got to be 1200 1500 people here easy like it's on the total end of the range it's been a half hour now 45 minutes i don't know and my heart just sinks i'm like it's gone it's absolutely it's gone it's it my wife's like well walk down there she said i got it she said walk down there and just see and i'm like I will, but it, there's no way. There's no way in any situation you lay it down in a mall, in a shopping center, right? Like, it's gone. So I'm headed that way. And, you know, it takes, again, 10 minutes probably to walk it. So five minutes to 10 minutes into the walk, loudspeaker comes on. Found an iPhone on the so-and-so range. You know, it's at the scoring station. You know, if you can come by and, and describe it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like... Are you freaking kidding me? There's no way. And, and again, I'm, I'm doubting humanity. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> like, it's not mine. There's no way it's mine. And uh, anyway, I walk up and I said, hey, y'all said y'all had a, a phone. They're like, can you describe it? And I'm like, yeah. I said, it's, uh, you know, lime green and camo case. And, and she immediately pulled it out and handed it to me. And I'm like, oh, my God. Gave her a hug, even though she wasn't the one. And I'm like, I, I can't believe this. I cannot. Absolutely. In what other setting in the world? Would that happen? And that speaks to the people of the shooting sports of the 2A, I think, of the gun community. Absolutely. I think that it, it expresses a common value that ex that goes deeper, right, than I like to shoot or, you know, those things. It, it's right. And that, that typically is, is within the constellation of, um, of how a person was, you know, clearly was brought up, um, the values that they've, if they weren't brought up with those, the values that they adopted over time by rubbing shoulders with the others in the, in the community. So, right. It, you know, and it, it speaks, you know, do you look at some of the, you know, the bigger names in the firearms industry, particularly let's, let's go with YouTubers and the tuber community, you know, those who become, you know, quite elevated tend to have created, you know, value in other areas. They've started, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, school programs, they've started public outreach programs, you know, for free. They've, they've utilized those resources that they got, you know, from doing their social media mm -hmm. to, invest back in the community and and i think the jaded amongst us would say well you know it just continues to fund their 
you know, more engagement and that stuff. Well, sure, w whatever. But, you know, they could right. also have just gotten that Lamborghini um, and true. just like posted about that. Like they could have done that route. That or invested their money in some other thing that just makes them other money. You right. Know? Uh, yeah. But instead, they did the dirty work of working with people. Right. And that, right. Yeah. Let, let's let's be honest. I mean, that takes energy. It takes part of our of our soul and it ought to right we ought yeah. it takes investment yeah. and that's not the best way to make money um the best way to make money is to you know just say screw everybody i'm just gonna you know get mine and right most of those most of those big names uh i won't mention anybody specifically uh, but most of those big names have invested in further outreach and that mm -hmm. that says something right well i think that uh, i think as far as the gun culture the power community you know that sort of thing I think there's an element at play for us, right? That I don't know is at play for many. I'm sure there's other communities that it's at play in, but I don't think many. We talked about like the four by four community. Let's take like the superhero, the comic book, Comic Con type crowd, you know, that community. Great communities. And I'm sure, you know, they have a lot of the same things as far as supporting each other and being friends and, you know, positive vibes and, you know, probably for the most part, good people in those community, right? One of the things I think as 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 gun culture and firearm community is they're, you know, we're dealing with objects, we're dealing with tools that can they be dangerous? Yes, they can be dangerous. Do you need to learn to be safe? Do you need to learn to be responsible, right, with these tools? Yes, absolutely. We all agree on that. Further, if you want to be competent with them, right? If you want to be good, if you want to win those competitions, right, or, or build that confidence to, you know, carry, to take your, your personal protection in your own hands, what are you going to do? You're going to practice. You're going to train, right? That takes dedication, right? That takes focus. So we've got all of these little attributes, I think, in the, in the gun community that makes for a just a better person overall. Right. And again, not saying those other people are, are in, in other communities are bad people. We've just got a few. If you look at it like a video game. Right. And what are this Madden or fantasy, some fantasy game where you have your attributes to your character. Right. Yeah. We have more categories, I think, in the firearm community. We have more attributes as a human. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think the other piece that may be an advantage if we are smart about it is recognizing that we are. Uh, under threat like our, our community like nobody's nobody's going after the you know the comic con community and saying we need to, we need to ban comic books marginalized to, to an extent yeah <laughs> right yeah. so the community has got to record and i think it has i'll just say it though um has got to recognize that we are in the position of extending this forward or or biting off our own noses and so mm -hmm. we've got to police our own and i mean not in the sense of reporting i mean right. in building connections building up the next generation, building solid, um, you know, I'll say shooters, building solid, you know, trained individuals. Leading by process, example. <laughs> leading by, exactly. So I think that is, that's an advantage actually. When, when under duress, you know, good things can happen. And of course, bad things can happen, but you, it clarifies things. This is meaningful and we need to take it seriously. And so that actually is, I think is an ace in our cap in this, in this spot. I, I want to be hopeful about where we go in, on two-way legislation. I think, as many have said, you know, the legislation is downstream of culture, and we have we have some momentum here. And I, I want to see us double down in this and and stay smart, stay supportive, and continue to, to raise up kids who 
respect you know firearms ownership who revere that just like they revere free speech just like we revere families just like we revere you know freedom across the board that's <laughs> i think if we do that i think and you know i think elon musk has talked about this and you know jordan peterson's talked about this we're in a time game at, at this point we feel really pressed and we are really pressed but the other side if we're going to call it sides but the side that's pressing against the 2a community specifically tends to not be having more kids um mm -hmm. right. th that that group is is going to diminish rapidly if we can not get crushed in the process yep. things will will i believe i believe things will make a dramatic shift as long as we stay honest have you know integrity in our in our process and we don't let we don't miss things in this short run so we need right. to be hawkish in this short run and notice every little piece. Uh, I, I just mentioned a shout out, you know, the Oregon Firearms Association and, and Derek LeBlanc, who's just up the road from me here. Absolutely. Not yeah. only is he doing his Kid Safe program, which is a tremendous effort of teaching all kids, you know, great firearms training, uh, whether you're a gun person or not a gun person. He's getting that in schools. He's doing tremendous work up there. Um, but he's also a hawk on watching legislation and, and oregon is a hotbed we're not and even we're not trying being, to and even trying to help write it as well yeah he's writing legislation yeah he's uh so not just derek but you know guys like that um yeah. guys and gals like that who are doing really good work at paying attention to this wait this this little thing slipped in here and if we don't catch that um it's really hard to go backwards right uh, we're closing in on the uh, top of the hour here, DB. Um, so let's uh, let's first have a little fun, and then we'll kind of close things out. Uh, we are going to uh, talk first about um, Avidity Arms, since this little fun segment is going to be brought to you by uh, Rob and our friends over there at Avidity Arms. The uh, PD-10, 9mm, been out for a while now. It was a long time coming, but it is reality, has been for a while uh, a handgun that isn't for you, eh, going to have to get your hands on it and uh, and see, but uh, has a lot of attributes uh, that at least Rob and, uh, thinks is important for a concealed carry handgun. Uh, I know I have one. Uh, it's, it's back there in the box, if I can point to it right here. Uh, if you're in audio, you can't see that, but I've uh, got uh, my PD-10 back there. Uh, runs great. Uh, is it for you? Eh. You'll have to check it out and see. But one of the cool things uh, is uh, they've moved over there now with Avidity uh, Arms into the uh, PD-10 in 30 Super Carry, which is new cartridge that come out a while back. I'm a fan of it. I like it. But one of the things I have not liked up until this point uh, is just the availability in firearms. But now we have the option of that PD-10, which I think is a great one for 30 Super Carry. Uh, there's a lot of other things. Uh, you know, now that Avidity Arms is uh, is blowing and going and rolling and on the scene, a lot of cool things uh, coming, I'm sure, in the future. And uh, we're going to keep everybody posted as they do. Let's get DB back in here uh, for this segment. We're going to have a little fun, DB. I'm going to give you a couple of choices and uh, just take it uh, wherever you go with these choices. First of all, uh, a paid weekend vacation to Alaska or Hawaii. And you said you have uh, spent time in Alaska, but which do you choose? That's tough. But uh, just to keep it brief, uh, I have been derelict in my duties of getting my wife to 
warm waters. She's reminded me of this. <laughs> so I had better choose Hawaii, although I, I might be inclined personally to say back up to Alaska. Um, but right. <laughs> yeah. So you'll 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 take the uh, you'll take mm. the uh, what is it? Uh, what would be the thing? You'll take the hit, right? And uh, for her and, and go to Hawaii. You'll <laughs> I think you'll it'd be well like... worth it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, dear. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. Golly, I'm sacrificing a lot here for you, dear. But I guess we can go to Hawaii, tropical, warm island, and you know. I try uh, to be the... selfless. You know, I want to. <laughs> right. to be a giver. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Um, which would you rather have, a luxury car or a uh, a muscle car? Uh, you know, I I'm a Porsche guy. I don't have a oh. Porsche. But since I was a kid, I'm, but, but I love the 1960s, 70s Porsches. I, I just love those. And That's so I guess it's, <laughs> yeah, because it's definitely like, like a poor man's luxury car, I suppose. But you can pick them up yeah. for, gosh, you can't get a pickup truck for these days for what you can get a, a Porsche of that vintage, unless it's, you know, cherry. So right. I, I'd cross over. I like those old Porsches. Um, not so much the 50s. I, I want I want some power with it. Um but yeah, I'd, I'd go with a '60s to eight, maybe even '80s um, Porsche. Yeah, ah, the '80s are just—I don't know. It's probably the era I grew up in, you know, when it comes to when it comes to yep. Porsche. But you know, probably the '80s. Same way for Ferrari, Lamborghini, a lot of those high-end, you know, sports. Yeah, cars. they were so iconic back then, and, and and like these days, it's tough to tell. Is, is that a is that a you know Veyron Bugatti? Is that a is it a Cor- I, I don't know. Even a Corvette. The Corvettes almost look like a Lamborghini nowadays. Like, we would never envision a, a Corvette looking like they do now in the 80s. No way. Like, it's, it's, like, yeah. 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 It's so hard mm-hmm. to tell unless you're up close. Now, I guess if you're a huge car guy, and I'm not, I mean, yeah. I do like cars, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, I'm not into it with every little model and every little curve and detail you know be able to know what's what a lot of times i have to see the emblem to know what's what nowadays um let's go with uh which do you prefer french fries or tater tots oh man <laughs> that's splitting some hairs there Gosh, and you can't um... cheat and say half and half that is a thing <laughs> but, i've been walking uh... a line here yeah <laughs> you know i i okay i'll, I'll be i'll be um controversial is i'll just go ahead and be a firebrand you know tater tots are for millennials um i grew up on french fries good old american french fries right there was there was no such thing as tater tots. Well, maybe they were but you got them in like a whole tray that you had in the freezer and so I, I guess maybe that's the thing but i'm just gonna stick with it um grew up as an 80s kid um and i don't i don't think we had tater tots back then if memory serves it was french fries um so i'm gonna stick with it sticking with it We've, we've, I've been exposed to tater tots pretty much my entire life. Like Sonic's around <laughs> here, known for their their tater tots, I think to some extent. Um, and we've we've ate Sonic even back in the eighties. You know, we we ate this is one of the few fast food places that you know were around in these parts back then. Quite honestly, so <laughs> the difference with Sonic is you can get it with the chili and the cheese and the. <laughs> so once you start doing that, I don't know that it matters whether or not it's yeah. a French fry or a tater tot because at that, that yeah. point now you're covering it with so many different things. You know the jalapenos I mean, and the. Yeah, it is the same thing, right? I mean, <laughs> it's the, the delivery the, method. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's a tater. Yeah. Yeah. It um, is a, Starch delivery method. Um, now, 
if you if you like tater tots, one of the things that that oh man is is they're tight is and I'm not a big Burger King fan uh, with pretty much anything they have, but they have cheesy tots. Hmm. So imagine tater tots with little bitty cut up chunks of cheese in them, and then they fry them yeah. up, and those are pretty tough. Well, for uh, for all of our for my Canadian friends, they have a dish called poutine, and that's basically it's fries with some kind of a gravy or something like that. And yeah, similar, had that, uh, oh, yeah we had so that to a French place at um, uh, in Wichita for uh, Gun Con, mm-hmm. and that was one of the appetizers I think the guys ordered to come to the table. So so like, good, yeah. After you know, big races or midway on big you know ultra races. Like getting some, like pounding some poutine to get some recovery, and then back to the back to things. Sometimes it actually works for the stomach in those kind of, you know, big situations. Right, right. Uh, Ghost out there, uh, my favorite car of all time, the 1958 Porsche oh. 356. Not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. So, uh, let's get uh, you off there, and uh, so I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here as we kind of close out, uh, DB. Um, Man, there's a lot of things, of course, to mention. Uh, you've got uh, 2A Mental Health Coaching. You've got WTTA. You've got you know anything on your end. Uh, where can people reach out, find those things, contact you, all of that good stuff? Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely a good first resource, for particular, uh, particularly for people looking at what are the connections between you know gun culture and mental health and how do we get the word out i would say check out walk the talk america they're doing a lot of work we're putting out videos for some of you you may may not be aware um a, a number if you're in the estates you're well aware if, if um that uh the ccw permits or whatever they're called in your particular state basically concealed carry now comes with a one-hour mental health you know, requirement added into that you know curriculum right. And, you know, if you're a firearms instructor, you probably didn't, maybe you studied, you know, uh, mental health stuff in, in, you know, at college or you got some stuff, but it's not part of the typical curriculum. And all of a sudden, this, you know, a number of states just said, well, it is now. Um, good, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. So Walk to Talk America, we put together some videos um, on that to meet the requirement. It's absolutely free. So go to Walk and Talk America. Those that slide deck is available, or not slide deck, but you know that the, the content is available um, right there. It's for free. So any firearm instructor who is now faced with that, there's your source, and you can well, check it, that box. I would say not just meet the requirements, but be of benefit at the same time, because one of the things that happens when the government dictates from on high that oh you must do this you must do mental health training and but then they give no roadmap of like why like like do you have and so i'm sure there's trainers out there i'm sure there's instructors out there that just throw in the bare minimum bs that helps nobody just to say that it's done and that's one of the differences with the stuff that you guys are offering i think is that it's actual beneficial (laughs) mental health information that's what we want. We kind of put together. Okay, what's the stuff? What do we What do we actually right. want to have in here? Because we're well aware that that vacuum will get filled. I mean, someone, another agency will put their stuff together, and it will absolutely get in there. And it will be the same stuff that we've seen over and over. And it'll be anti two way stuff. You're going to be ultimately they're going to, you're going to be funding an organization who's pumping yep. out content, who's writing legislation against you in your concealed carry course. That's a whole other topic that I'd love to get to another time. Um, but uh, we absolutely looked at this from a very serious, what's important and what's the real stuff as actual firearms people and connected to the firearms industry. 
um, what do we really want people to know? Like, where are the real resources in this? And if you only had an hour, what would you say? Right. So that, so, and then, so I'd reach out to them for sure. Um, We'd love to get sponsors on that. So if you'd love to have your content, uh, you know, you others, your content, you know, presented in that, then, you know, definitely talk with Mike and the folks at at Walk Talk America and we can get that included. And we'd love to, you know, make these, continue to make those videos more and more, um, you know, connected to the needs as things change over time. So right. great resource there. And then 2A Mental Health Coaching is available, you know, right there at .com. So 2A Mental Health Coaching.com, uh, Facebook and other, uh, you know, Twitter and other resources you can find, you can find me. Um, the, wor- the work there is I have basically three tiers, three, three different groups that you can launch into. Really lo- low barrier of entry, like join the tribe. And so you, you basically join our, our app in that sense. And so we're going to be pump, we now are going to be, we pump out, you know, weekly content. We stay you know, involved in what's going on. We can have, you know, text-based conversations. We share videos. And so that's a great place of having the bulk of us there in the tribe, low, low barrier of entry there. And then for those who want to get a bit deeper, then you join the group, individual groups, say, you know, eight to 12 roughly. And we may bump up if the group is a really good fit. We need to bump that one up or we need to form another group over here. Groups are my favorite way of working with people um, because you, it's not just me. Um, mm-hmm. You get to hear perspectives of people around the circle. And that's a group that stays fairly uniform. So it's not just random people popping in. Right. And there's a power to that, right? We all get that. You sit around the campfire and you start to get honest. And when if, if these people are, are people you actually trust, then stuff happens, and you come away with a with a different set of like, man, that I'd never thought of that, and that happens for me as a clinician all the time. I, I don't have all the solutions. I've got some that I've I've worked with thousands of people, so I've heard lots of great stories and and lots of hard stories, and so I can pull those in. I can pull, of course, from my own experience, but that guy over there is going to say something I'd never thought of, and. I, what a gift. And so the group is, is the next level of that. And then for those who want to work with me individually, um, we absolutely can do that as well. So 2amentalhealthcoaching.com. Happy to have those conversations. This is about you and it's about life. It's about making stuff great. And where do you want to go? It's not about, you know, what are your problems and, and you're stuck in that. You will, you'll never grow beyond that. We, uh, the team at Walk the Talk America absolutely believes that, you know, mental health is like anything else that we deal with it's part of life. You yep. can be, it can be better or worse and we can work on that stuff. You break your leg. Nobody's going to think it's weird if you take some time off and deal with that. And, and gosh, with some accommodations, maybe you don't have to take any time off. Um, right. So to use that analogy, let's just get you fighting fit and get you back in the ring. And on the mental health side, this is, this impacts your kids, your families, your, you know, your, your parents, this, your community. We are as well as a community as each of us are, you know, collectively. We we do rub off on each other, and that's back to your point. Um, you know, w- when your phone went missing, um, you learned something about the community that day, and that 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 community is pretty darn healthy. Um, and so we can lock arms. And two A mental health coaching is all about that. Let's lock arms. Let's have these difficult conversations. And it doesn't mean that that you are broken, that you are unwell. It just means sometimes life sucks and it it's it is good to talk about that yeah oh definitely uh db thanks uh thanks again for jumping in spending a little time with us absolutely appreciate it we will uh most certainly want to get you back at some point and uh and talk a little more there's i'm sure there's a ton we missed but uh we'll we'll make up for it eventually 
Right on. A privilege. Thank you. Uh, hang tight. Let me, uh, let me close this out. Tell everybody out there, including the uh, channel members that were live. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping in. If you're in replay and you've lasted through this whole thing, well, thank you as well. Don't forget if you're in replay, uh, comment down below. Uh, also, remember if you're in replay that, uh, hey, you could be a part of the conversation like Seafires and Ghost and DJ and all the other ones that showed up today. Uh, <laughs> if you just jump over on the YouTube channel and uh, become a YouTube channel member, that's going to do it for uh, this episode. And uh, we're uh, going. Bye. Thanks for hanging out on another episode of the Clover Tap Podcast. For all our other projects and ways you can support the channel, take a minute to visit clovertack.com. Consider becoming a YouTube channel member so you can catch these podcasts live and interact with our guests. See you on the next one.